Hi, I'm Morgan Block, and you're listening to Climate Curiosities, the podcast where I connect you with real climate science and policy experts to address some of the most common curiosities about climate change. Today's curiosity, why is climate change such a polarizing topic? And how do we fix that? Today is really special because joining us virtually is Dr. Ram Ramanathan, Distinguished Professor of Atmospheric and Climate Sciences at Scripps Institution of Oceanography, UC San Diego. Ram was honored as the science advisor to Pope Francis's Holy See delegation to the historic 2015 Paris Climate Summit, and in addition advised California's past governor, Jerry Brown. Ram was named the UN Climate Champion in 2013, has been elected to the U.S. National Academy and the Royal Swedish Academy, which awards the Nobel Prizes. Foreign Policy named him a thought leader in 2014 and in 2018. Also, Ram was named the Tang Laureate for Sustainability Science. He is currently the Edward A. Friedman Endowed Presidential Chair in Climate Sustainability at Scripps Institution of Oceanography. So I just wanted to start off by thanking you so much for joining me today. I like to start out the show with a fun introduction. What I want us to do is share two fun facts or curiosities about ourselves with our listeners. And so I'll start off, give you a second to think about it. So my first fun curiosity right now is that I am sitting on the floor of my closet currently because <laughs> of the whole stay-at-home order. And right now, there's about 10 drive through graduations going on with a bunch of car horns like honking really loud and people screaming, which is really exciting, but it's not the best place to uh, record a podcast. <laughs> and my second curiosity, I was born and raised in Houston, Texas. I went to undergrad at Trinity University in San Antonio, Texas. And then I moved here to San Diego, California for my master's degree. And even still, people constantly are telling me that I don't sound Texan and I don't sound like I'm from Texas, which I think is really funny. But Ram, do you have some fun curiosities about yourself? First of all, I agree. You don't sound Texan to me. <laughs> I do have some colleagues at Houston and San Antonio. I don't know, uh, Marvin, if I have some fun facts to just to roll off my tongue the way you did. What I do find is that, you know, this peculiar situation, all of us find ourselves, like you you in a closet and me in my small office, which is uh, not far from a closet. That's why I have a background different than actually where I am. And I don't know if it's fun, but it's more, more curiosity is that within two months, this kind of meeting, young people like you and other colleagues on Zoom has become the norm. I think if you were to suddenly appear in front of me, I'm going to think you're somebody from Mars. I'm not used to seeing three-dimensional people anymore. It's all in Zoom and two dimensions. So I don't know if the world can be any more funnier than this. Yeah, definitely. 
To start us off into today's episode, I would like to talk about how you have been studying climate science and climate change for a really long time. And you've been extremely influential in paving the way for climate policy and action with becoming a part of the international discussions and agreements. But communicating climate science to non-scientists is a really challenging thing to do. So my question for you is, why do you think that climate change has become such a polarizing topic? And what communication and education strategies have you found most effective when trying to convince others the severity of climate change? Yeah, it's very complex and uh, an important question. I think a number of factors has contributed to polarization of climate change. I think we are, it's important for us to remember this polarization is mainly in the U.S., at least until a few years ago. And uh, I think it's caught on in few other countries like Australia and others. And why did it get polarized? There are probably two underlying currents. First is we are asking a whole huge industry, in this case, fossil fuel industry, to go away, right? You know, they served us well for the last hundred years. Now we are finding they're damaging the environment. And we're telling them, we don't need you anymore. So there are, you know, what's called stranded assets, maybe trillions of dollars locked up below the surface. So money, huge amount of money is involved. I think that's one part of the polarization. I think it ran parallel with the way the country has become polarized, I, I think. We all know, even a high school student would know these days, that the country, really, there are two countries, two Americas now. So uh, unfortunately, climate change has been viewed as a Democrat issue. Okay, so I think we got thrown into that other basket, along with all issues like gender equity, inequality, gun control abortion, all these issues, divide us, climate change got put into that other basket. So I see them at two parallel currents. And what do I do to communicate? These days, most of my talks are given in churches and fora like that. And what I try to do is for them, unpack climate change for all the issues that divide us. I tell them this is uh, nothing to do with uh, abortion. It has nothing to do with gun control, right? It impacts all of them. Uh, and I talked to them about that this is, if we don't do anything about it, in 10 years from now, this is going to be a human tragedy. If it's already not that, for many, it's already a tragedy. And at the same time, you see, I, I don't want to paralyze young people like you because we need you. And I think of you and others working on this area as warriors. And I think of climate change as the biggest fight of our lives, even more so than COVID. Okay, hopefully COVID would go away in about two years when we have that vaccine. Climate change is gonna depend such a vaccine type development. Yeah, I'm just using vaccine as a metaphor. I wish there was a simple vaccine I can inject on everyone and then climate change goes away. It's not going to be like that. So I try not to paralyze people like you. So what I, what I communicate, depending on the audience, 
tell them about the seriousness of the situation. I think people have to know how serious it is. You know, we, we cannot soft pedal this. We cannot say, hey, you know, everything is hunky-dory. It's, it's going to go away. No, it's not going to go away. It's going to be a life and death issue for people of your age. You know, for me, fortunately, I'm going to be up there watching all of you, how you're dealing with this, okay? But I tell them, on the one breath, I say it's a serious issue. On the other breath, I tell people like you, it's still, still a solvable problem. We can solve it. And I think the first step is like what you are doing, communicating, okay? And then starting a movement to have policies, top-down policies. I find that when you can communicate with people on a level that makes them feel comfortable and not attacked, people are much more willing to have a discussion and and just talk about things that they don't know. I don't Mm -hmm. find... Kind of negativity or attacking people or judging people very it's not a very effective way to, <laughs> to right. talk to people one topic that really interests me that you recently just published co-published a book called health of people health of planet and our responsibility and it right. focuses on connecting air pollution climate change and public health all together can you talk a bit about your book and what are the connections between climate change and health yeah, thank you. So this was a meeting at the, I held at the Vatican in 2017 and organized it, uh, teaming up with the Pontifical Academy of Science. And my primary motivation was uh, twofold. First is we tried talking to people about pandas, polar bears, coral reefs. And we even talked about, we offered even the glaciers, but nothing worked right? The emissions are continuing relentlessly. Then I thought about uh, how did we take actions on air pollution? You know, California has a remarkable track record. In fact, the U.S. as a whole. I found out that was because the focus was on health. So I said, let's find out what are the effects of climate change on health. And we commissioned the top experts. We held this meeting right inside the Vatican. And there I learned, in fact, the most serious impacts of climate change is going to be on human health. And the connection came because scientists uh, concluded about three years ago that most of the weather extremes, like the fires in California, the floods in your hometown of Houston, storms, all of them was because of the warming, the planet heating up the ocean has enormous energy and it is releasing it through those extremes. So health come to the front and center. And I'm, th- I'm thinking that this pivoting to the health impacts would finally get the public to take action. So then we published this as a book. You know, the book has uh, authors, four Nobel laureates, some of the top health experts. We also brought in uh, faith leaders, you know, the leader of the American Evangelical Association is one of the authors, talks passionately about health and climate change. So the book, in a sense, brought together both the conservative and the so-called progressive side of this issue. So uh, I'm hoping that it's going to have a huge influence in changing public opinion already. You know, it was just published, 14,000 have downloaded it. But I, I need uh, a billion people downloading it, the message to spread. 
So hopefully your blog would help that. Thank you. Yeah, I, I hope so too. <laughs> I downloaded it. I'm really excited. I've gotten through a couple chapters and it's pretty accessible. A lot of times, really scientific papers and articles and journals are so in-depth that the typical person can't understand it and they can't read it very easily. I feel like your book is a lot more accessible to people that just want to read and learn more. So I will definitely be linking your book in the description of this podcast so people can check it out. Another topic that you talk about in your book and that I think everyone is just really interested in learning more about is understanding how we can actually do something about this. And so can you share with us some of the scalable, practical, and economically feasible solutions that you've studied and proposed? Yeah, I, I think that's where the bending the curve, it's initiative of the entire University of California system. I lead this effort. And we came up with uh, 10 solutions uh, to the problem, and uh, we put it under clusters, okay? Uh, the first is, of course, science. Science tells you what to do, but it doesn't know how to do it, right? So we have five other clusters. The first one came to be societal transformation, because we had a lot of social scientists. And uh, I had not realized the gravity of that till I worked with them. So the key thing is that we have to stop kidding ourselves, saying that, oh, it's just technology. There is a fancy gadget there. Just flip it on. The problem is going to go away. No. What comes out very clear is that it's going to require societal transformation. And in such a way that we, we have to change our attitude towards nature and we have to change our attitude towards each other. Okay? Uh, so the, there are three billion people who won't be able to adapt to the climate or weather extremes. They're going to lose their homes. They're going to lose their livelihoods. So we need to care about them. And then we need to care about nature. The nature is something we all enjoy, right? We need to preserve it for ourselves and future generations. And, and then we have under governance, you know, we have to make it market friendly so it's cheaper, etc. But technology-wise, what to do is remarkably simple to explain. Okay, but it's very complex to incorporate. All we have to do is, there are two things we have to do. First is we have to cut, cut our carbon pollution to zero, right? How do we do that? The technologists explained to us, what we need to do is convert all our end users to electricity. Okay, your home heating, no natural gas, electricity. And then generate that electricity using solar, wind, Texas as some of the largest wind power, wind power generation. And of course, there are challenges like storing that through batteries, through hydrogen. So the technology is there, the first thing. And, and I think the second thing we need to explain to our conservative colleagues in parts of America, like Texas, Midwest, South, etc., is that you and I, we are not asking people to go back to the Stone Age. We're not asking people to go back to the horse and buggy days. We are, in fact, asking people to go to the 21st century, okay, use modern forms of energy, non-polluting, non-degrading, and a, a source of energy which is almost infinite. The sun is going to be there for a billion years, right? So I think that's what we need to explain. We are not asking you to go back to the Stone Age. I think that's what 
the fossil fuel industry is sending the wrong message. Oh, these guys, they're tree huggers. You know, they just want to go back to caves. No. We're asking if in anything, just if you have a solar on your rooftop, you become independent of big government and big companies, right? You have your own power. So it needs explanation. It needs communication at the individual level. I didn't think the media is so polarized, they've lost their effectiveness. Each part of the media is talking to their constituency. We need to reach across. So communication is key. Getting the right message out is the key. And of course, getting governments to act is key. I've really enjoyed speaking with you about all this. And to end the show, I always like to model an example Mm -hmm. conversation for our audience so that if they're asked a similar question, then they can know how to respond or where to direct someone for better information. So the question I would like you to model an answer to is, why should I care about climate change? What does it actually mean to me, a typical individual living in California or Texas or wherever? Excellent question. First is on the whole climate change issue and the solutions. We have a website called Bending the Curve. I think they can go to that. It gives the the problem, it gives the solutions, everything, okay? Uh, In terms of asking people why should they care, the main issue is that, which worries me, is the imminence of the problem. In about 10 years, the warming is going to increase by about 50% than what we have experienced so far, okay? to what we call it one and a half degrees. That's the threshold for dangerous climate change. When that happens, I expect climate change to move into most of American homes, into your living room. You don't have to see it on TV. You're going to experience yourself, or you would know somebody who has experienced it. So what do I mean by experience? Depending on where you live in America, It's going to be severe heat waves. It's going to be floods. It's going to be fires, mainly in California. That's the main very fires and droughts. And and, uh, areas of south and southwest, the worry for me would be heat waves and droughts, severe mega droughts lasting decades. And in Midwest and others, it's going to be uh, floods, landslides. On the East Coast, it's going to be storms. The problem with these things is that once it moves in, say 10 years from now, there's no more a norm. Every 10 years is going to get worse and worse and worse. And where by the time you go beyond 30 years, the changes we are expecting would pose existential threat to almost everyone in the planet. So then we think of social systems breaking down, mass migrations, which nobody's going to be able to handle. So those are the reasons you have to care. It's going to affect you personally. It's no more happening 100 miles away, 1,000 miles away. It's going to happen in your backyard. And it'll be too late at that time, just like we are saying COVID, right? Everybody's saying it's going to take another 12 to 18 months. And we are saying, how are you going to cope with it? Right? So that's what's going to happen in climate change. But that's the message I would give the urgency that it's going to affect everyone, including you. And it's just not affecting your property, it's going to affect your health and your property and everything else. 
that's such a strong message and it's really an important one to get out to people. So Ron, thank you so much for coming on the Climate Curiosities podcast show. Thank you. Now that the interview is over, get out of your closet and enjoy the outside. <laughs> Thank you. I will. I will. Bye-bye. Bye. If you would like more information about the topics covered in this episode, please see the description for references. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please remember... Follow and subscribe to Climate Curiosities. See you next time.